Mental Health During the COVID-19 Pandemic, At-Home Tools for Providers and Patients. Hello, this is Shira Vollmer, MD. I'm a psychiatrist at the David Geffen School of Medicine at UCLA. Thank you for joining me for this third episode in my series of podcasts on mental health during the coronavirus. This series is about keeping yourself and your patients mentally healthy in this unstable and scary world. These podcasts will be published weekly by primed.com. Today's topic is about things that you and your patients can do from home that will promote mental health. We have all lost control over our lives. We can no longer gather in person and we are all forced to have new routines which give us meaning and fulfillment. For many people, losing control is the beginning of a downward spiral of mental health issues, which include anxiety, depression, and somatization. Feeling helpless can lead to a persistent feeling of lethargy, which manifests into a very constrictive life with little joy. Even though this is a hard time for everyone, it is still mandatory to feel happiness, joy, and fulfillment. If you're not feeling these feelings most of the time, then you need tools to put those feelings back into your life. Telehealth is here, which is ideal for mental health issues, as the primary mode of communication needs to be a narrative. Patients should feel free to reach out to their provider online to discuss how they are feeling and how they are coping during this challenging time. Given that anxiety is the most common feeling during this uncertain period, and given that when anxiety persists, depression often follows, it's imperative to attend to the anxiety until it resolves. In terms of tools to help with coping, let us first talk about self-directed cognitive behavioral therapy. Self-directed cognitive behavioral therapy is a very useful tool for anxiety. Many studies have shown that self-directed CBT can be very effective. In particular, self-directed CBTI for insomnia has good scientific evidence. Further, there are two reviews that each included over 30 studies which found that self-help treatment significantly reduced both anxiety and depression, especially when the treatments use CBT techniques. The average amount of benefit were in the moderate range, meaning people did not feel 100% better, but they were noticeably less anxious and less depressed. Please note, self-directed CBT is most appropriate for someone with mild to moderate symptoms who's generally able to function well. A person who is severely depressed and barely able to get out of bed is probably not a good match and will likely need online psychotherapy, online psychotherapy, and psychopharmacology. There are many books which can be used at home. The Association for Behavioral and Cognitive Therapies maintains a list of books which they endorse. My personal favorite is called Retrain Your Brain, Cognitive Behavioral Therapy in Seven Weeks, by Seth Gillihan, PhD. The workbook presents tools from CBT in a user-friendly manner.
Cognitive techniques include number one, identifying your thought patterns, and number two, discovering how your thoughts affect your feelings and your behaviors. The behavioral techniques include number one, scheduling activities that bring you enjoyment and a sense of accomplishment, and number two, recognizing how your actions influence your thoughts and your feelings. When doing in-home therapy for anxiety or depression, the key issue is to set aside time as you would if you were to go to psychotherapy. Create a space which is quiet and solitary. Create a time which is rigidly adhered to. Creating space and time for self-directed CBT will reinforce your self-esteem because you're devoting yourself to self-care. In other words, you're making yourself a priority and that's a good first step to feeling better about yourself and about those around you. In this time of high anxiety and limited access to healthcare, especially mental health care, self-directed CBT has many advantages. Devoting yourself to CBT can lower your anxiety, improve your mood, and provide you with life skills, which will give you resilience to both our current challenging situation as well as future challenges. Part two, mindfulness. Mindfulness is also an evidence-based treatment for anxiety and depression. Mindfulness is the process of observing what is on your mind, what is observing that which is in your mental interior without judgment. Applications such as Headspace are tools you can use at home to help with experiencing and accepting the current moment. There is scientific evidence to support mindfulness and effects of mindfulness exercises have been studied in a meta-analysis. Studies also indicate that rumination and worry contribute to the onset of a variety of mental disorders and that mindfulness-based interventions significantly reduce both rumination and worry. Further, the practice of mindfulness may be a preventative strategy to help to halt the development of mental health problems. Mindfulness can be seen as a strategy that stands in contrast to a strategy of avoidance of emotion on the one hand and to the strategy of emotional over-engagement on the other hand. Mindfulness can also be viewed as a means to develop self-knowledge and wisdom. The current era of uncertainty and fear is a great time to begin a mindfulness practice. Crisis presents new opportunities, and so this current crisis allows us time and space to look inwards. Mindfulness is a good tool to use for inward reflection. People who incorporate mindfulness into their lives often report a heightened level of happiness, patience, acceptance, and compassion, as well as lower levels of stress, frustration, and sadness. Practice mindfulness meditation can be a great way to cope with today's landscape. Using an application such as Headspace gives you education about how the mind behaves during meditation, leads you through a particular meditation technique, and suggests how to integrate this technique into your everyday life. 
The major goal of these techniques is to create calmness and clarity of thought. Let's move on to part three of this discussion about medication options for mental health. If your patient experiences depression or anxiety, which inhibits them from functioning, and by that I mean they are not taking care of their responsibilities as a parent, a friend, an employee, or a spouse, then along with self-directed CBT and mindfulness, I would suggest that the patient seeks online consultation for medication. If the patient is experiencing uncontrollable palpitations associated with anxiety or other peripheral symptoms of anxiety, then these patients may benefit from using propranolol if they do not have contraindications. This can be taken as needed or it can be taken multiple times a day depending on the severity of anxiety. For patients who are feeling listless, apathetic, with very little motivation to start or complete projects and or to initiate contact with friends or family, then consider them on an SSRI such as fluoxetine. Your patient might be thinking that their behavior is consistent with the current state of the world, but that would be a false assumption. Even in this uncertain time, individuals should have energy and excitement for new experiences and deepening relationships. If they do not have that enthusiasm, there needs to be a more thorough evaluation for depression and treatment need. Medications are appropriate to consider in that they can jumpstart your patient into a more energetic position and thereby enable the patient to connect with pleasurable activities. Fluoxetine is a good choice for this type of patient because it can be activating. On the other hand, if you find patients who are feeling like the energizer buddy, who cannot sit still because they are internally disrupted, then consider the use of medications that are calming but not addictive, such as citalopram. This medication can allow your patient to settle down and reflect on the triggers which cause this internal unrest. The current situation is not only difficult by itself, it is also triggering past traumatic experiences and as a result, it's important to try to connect the past to the present so that the patient can have a more coherent narrative about their internal process. Now, let's suppose your patient has tried SSRIs such as fluoxetine or citalopram, and they have not helped them in the past. At this point, I would suggest you consider gabapentin for anxiety. This can cause weight gain, which is undesirable for most people. But at the same time, it can take the edge off, which like I stated for citalopram, is important so that the patient can reflect on their internal experience. Sometimes, although I help primary care clinicians work with patients who have mental suffering, I also understand that the clinician, especially in our COVID-19 era, also suffers from internal distress. As such, some of the above recommendations for patients may also be helpful for you, the clinician. In other words, heal thyself so that you can heal others. I cannot overstate how important that is. In summary, there are lots of tools at home that can promote mental health. 
The shelter at home mandate gives us an opportunity to explore our internal worlds such that we can find happiness, enthusiasm, and vitality in the midst of a very uncertain and scary time. Thank you very much for joining me to discuss mental health in the time of COVID-19. I look forward to your feedback and for you to join me for my next podcast on primed.com. I'm Shira Volmer, MD. Until next time, stay well and stay happy.